Thanks for joining us for this, the third episode of A Fallow Deer, The Deer Shed Festival Story. I'm Dave Simpson, I'm a music critic and writer, and my family and I look forward to the Deer Shed Festival every year. As you know, sadly the festival can't go ahead this year, but rather than moping about, we thought we'd take this opportunity to reflect on the past decade of Deer Shed and look ahead to the future. We've already heard how founders Kate and Oliver originally breathed life into the old deer shed at Baldersby Park. I remember we borrowed tents off the scouts, didn't we? And then there was a very windy night, and one of the marquees, I just couldn't, I thought somebody had stolen it, and it was in a tree, so I just... <laughs> yeah, and you things. think you can do it, you can do it all yourself. You know, you can run a bar, you can do food, but to try and do them all at the same time <laughs> on one weekend, well, is quite hard. We've also heard from the people who love Deershed, who brought us a flavour of the festival itself. And and it was just amazing to see. I've seen, I've seen somebody who's, who's headlined Glastonbury. It was, it was just that amazing realisation. I must admit, I don't remember any of his performance, but I remember going <laughs> yeah. to see him. Yeah, you saw him. <laughs> but this time, we're looking ahead and asking, what's next for Deershed? Like, well, people are going to love their own toilet, aren't they? I mean, that's the worst thing about... They're going to want it for the real festival, though, aren't yes. they, then? They're all they gonna, yeah, they're all Everyone's going to want their own toilet. Yeah. And, and, and their own dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So joining me today is co-founder Oliver Jones and Megan Evans, who's the arts organiser and comedy booker for Deershed Festival. Well, if we start, obviously, none of us are in a place, not geograph- geographically, but existentially, as a species, where we thought we would be in 2020. We all thought we'd be going to Deershed Festival this summer, and we thought we'd be going to lots of gigs leading up to the Deershed Festival. Uh, we probably didn't expect to be in the middle of a global pandemic um, and virtually confined to our houses for much of the last four months. What's it been like for you two? Well, it's it's been odd, hasn't it? It's been really weird. And I'm not sure how I feel about it personally, actually, because, yeah, the, a, a feeling of shell shock. But actually, I think it was earlier in the um, in the year that we, you know, really, really stressed, sort of March, when when it when it was clear to me at least, that we were going to have to seriously get our, you know, work out what it meant for us in the short term. And we were, we were running around just trying to, because no one knew anything, did they? It was no. All, it was all very... Um, well, they still can, don't. Can, no, no. <laughs> can, we, can, can we go ahead? You know, what's the, what's the impact going to be financially? And working through all that stuff for us was really quite hard a uh, uh, contractual th- lot of, lots of stuff which is probably quite dull you know artist contracts and this whole idea of force majeure you know uh, the act of god is it an act of god and is it contractually an act of god so you know, not not terribly exciting stuff but stuff we all had to get our heads around to see if we were going to be you know we, were we going to get our money back from band deposits and all that sort of thing and then that bit of it ended and then over time we slowly did the maths and did the did the sums on how much money we were going to lose. <laughs> um, and then, and that's kind of a little bit depends on what your, depends how much money you had to start with, doesn't it? As to what proportion you might lose, but it's quite a big chunk for us. Once that was all sort of settled down and we were, we were then right, well, we resigned to this and, you know, there, there were various, there was the, the American festivals canceled first in like Coachella was had put put off to September. And then and there were a lot of people like the first ones of the season, like Bearded Theory, putting off till September. 
And at the time that even then it seemed, you know, that's fine. <laughs> but we all know now that, that those second rearrangements have been cancelled as well. Yeah. Well, and once that period was, was out the way and right, we're going to cancel, there was a bit of relief actually. You'd sort of, all oh, right, we accept we're going to lose that much cash. And weirdly, the thing that was quite nice about it is it's, it's like this idea of an enforced fallow year. And Glastonbury obviously have them, they're planned, aren't they? they do, yeah, yeah. So they, they have to take it off for the field to recover, don't they? I think for the, you know, for the grass to grow back. And, but yeah, like you said, they plan that. They know it's coming. They don't have it dropped on them normally a few weeks ahead, although they did this year. You know, they've had the same problem as you. You know, they've had to cancel it, you know, or postpone it, if you like, really. When uh, lockdown first hit, you, you kind of were in a, a bit of a standstill. You didn't really know what uh, what was going to happen, especially, I think, yeah, like Oliver said, with, with festivals, you know, some postponing back to September. And then, you know, the longer it got, you thought, are these events going to actually be able to happen in September? And and, you know, the, the communication, I suppose, from higher up, i.e. the government, was very unclear as to yeah. what would be happening. Yeah. And I think then, you know, with lockdown happening, everyone, there was a surge of online activity, you know, from artists and theatres trying to think, OK, how can we engage with our audience? So I think that's been kind of a, a, a massive learning curve, I think, for a lot of our arts organisations and artists in general trying to get by, actually, as well, because, you know, for a lot of artists, there hasn't been kind of that subsidy from the government. The only event that I know so far that I've come across that was insured specifically against a pandemic was Wimbledon. <laughs> um, but apparently, I, mean, I spoke to someone last week from an arena that, you know, they weren't, they're not skin arenas, but they, they were saying that, that we can't afford to, the insurance would be astronomical. But obviously no one predicts a pandemic. It's a once in a hundred year or once in a 200 year event. You know, Those big companies like the Live Nations of this world were insured because mm. they have got a touring side to, to what they do right so so all those this is another kind of yeah of course you know won't, won't be it won't be the small guy will it um but nobody's got it it's the commutable diseases clause and and nobody has it i think of, of the association of independent festivals that we're part of i think like 95 percent didn't didn't have that insurance do you think going forward though that you will be allowed to have that insurance no. <laughs> well, you can, but it's going to cost, isn't it? I mean, probably, presumably yeah. Wilbur, Wimbledon had been paying in. They'd been, you know, happily signing those checks for like 30, 40 years. Probably. So, yeah. so you, you don't begrudge them that. But it's, I think it's interesting that early on there was that, and, and it's still happening now to a certain extent. Lots of people thinking, let's just do what we do online. Thinking about, I think that very quickly became sort of overkill, really. The danger is that what you do is just rubbish compared to everything. Well, I think unless you're a digital producer and you were before the COVID-19, I think they're the only ones who have like really triumphed in this period yeah. because they were experts. And There's been a lot of very awkward footage of people in their bedrooms playing piano with one light bulb swinging above them. You know, there's been a lot of that. Uh, one thing that really impressed me and kind of broke my heart a little bit at the same time, I watched Glastonbury from, oh, I think it's 2000. Oh, David Bowie's whole performance from Glastonbury was put on the BBC. Watching that and seeing the scale of all those people together and Bowie, obviously, who's no longer with us, but it, the whole thing watching it, it, it was fantastic, but it also really brought home what's missing, you know, what, what we've lost in just that thing of so many people being in a space, huddled together, singing along, the, basically the festival experience, which you get at Deershed. And we're not going to have that this year. And it really brought it home, you know, and uh, a lot, I think a lot of people were really blown away by that, that performance, but partly because of that. Yeah. I think um, it, what is interesting when 
I've seen a lot of online, you know, where there've been talks or kind of performances over the last few months, but you're not, when you go to something like a live gig, you're really invested in it. You really mm. want to, you know, focus completely on the artist on the stage with everyone else experiencing that at the same time. And I just, you don't get that online. So yeah, we have lost something. And you, know, you don't get the rubbish nights out either. That's the other thing. Cause, <laughs> cause going to see live music is a spin of a roll of oh, the dice. Totally. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. and, and the lows are very low yeah. and the highs are life-changing, aren't they? Yeah. With they live are. music, but Absolutely. you never know quite what you're going to get. But it's actually the thing going back to kind of this enforced fallow thing is that we were putting on deer shed is not, you know, it's quite a stressful, but it's extremely test body and mind of all the team, really, not just me and, and Kate as directors and the whole idea of like, right, well, you know, there's nothing we can to do, but have a summer off in, in actual fact, we haven't got a summer off, which I'm sure we'll get onto later, but that was a nice feeling that, oh, you know, we can't do it. We're not allowed to do it. And then, so then after 10 years of this whole cycle of plan, panic, put the festival on, end up knackered, go on holiday, plan, to, to have that break is actually quite, for the organization is quite a nice thing. And after 10 years as well, you know, is, is, has it been a kind of moment that, or a, a summer really, if you like, where, where you've been able to really look back at that 10 years and think how much it's changed and, and what you've done in that 10 years and, and what you're going to do in future, you know, a kind of moment of reflection that you would not have had because you'd normally be, well, I think you still, still are to some extent, but you've had more time probably than, than normal to just look back a little bit. I think the thing that sort of struck me is how much we're doing it, not for the money, um, and how much we're doing it because it's a good thing to do and how I think people appreciate it. And the festival business, certainly at, at our level, is all about love. And that sounds a very hippy-dippy thing to say. But And Deer Shed especially is about nurture and it's about you know people coming to the event with their kids and seeing them grow up and you know, that whole idea of like when you're raising your kids, you're on this kind of slow continuum of progress. Well, you can, I think at Deer Shed, that probably everyone gets a kick up the ass, really. And there's all sorts of things to digest. So I think that's, that's why we do it. And I think I've reflected a bit on that, especially with the huge financial loss that we've suffered. You can't be doing it for the money. And we never have really. Megan, has it been the same for you? Have you been able to look back? Deer Shed has been a huge part of my life since because I started helping in Disha too. Mm. So I think, you know, looking back, it was when Kate and Oliver decided to not do the festival this year. I did ask them, I was like, what are you going to do for July? What's, what's it going to be like? And and that's a little bit a part of uh, me as well in terms of July was such a, you know, it was in the, the fields, you know, helping put up decoration to kind of sorting out all the artists and things like that. So yeah, it, it has been a, a weird time. And funnily enough, in preparation today, I looked back at all the programmes that um, from Deer Shed, I was looking at kind of, oh, look how thick that one is in from Deer Shed 10 to Deer Shed 5. And I was like, look at the amazing, uh, like all the program that we have and all the artists that we had and for the audience to be able to enjoy that. And I think the audience are really going to kind of miss Deer Shed because for a lot of the audience, you know, it's different groups and different families coming together. And it's the one time of the year when they get to meet up. So it's a big, you know, chunk out of their, their year gone. So um, I'm sure they're really missing it now as well. Has it been possible to, you know, with a lot of the artists, I mean, have you, have you been able to say to people, well, we'll just kind of do everything we were going to do, but we'll just do it in a year's time. Have, have they been quite good about being... They've been really good, yeah. And, and actually, 
the agents have been really good because I think they're in the same boat as us. You know, they've, mm. if, you, if you phone up you know, that agent that you talked to this time last year, just won't be there because they'll be on furlough <laughs> or they'll have been made redundant, you know, so wow. everybody's yeah. sort of in it together. And if you think all those, all the tours are finished, so what, what's an agent going to do? But they've all said, you know, and I think, although we're going to announce this in a couple of weeks, so all of, certainly all of our headliners are coming back, but we have had to, the looking ahead to what next year's deer shed is going to be, we've had to make some you know, some cutbacks here and there, you know, we've lost, we've had to lose one stage. Yeah, maybe don't, maybe say what stage. <laughs> People are going to panic. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not the main stage. No. Yeah. There isn't a car park <laughs> built on the main field either. No. There's no Tesco's opening in the middle of the site. But you do have to look and think, and the thing with Deershed is that the thing that people always would say is that, well, there's, there's too much on, you, well, not too much on as a, as a complaint, but you have to plan it, you know, you have to plan your weekend. And then the downside of that is that you miss the, the things that are just happening in front of your eyes. So there was a lot of fat on Deershed in terms of how much stuff we put on. I think it was over 2000 hours of content. So I don't think anyone's going to mind if, if a little bit of that disappears. You just have to like reinvest it into other places around the site. So it's still going to have the, the quality there. You don't have to clone yourself anymore to do the whole 2000, you know, to do, I think that to do the 2000 hours, you probably need five versions of yourself in different parts of the site at the same time, you know. I think the when approaching the comedy lineup, yeah, it was very much the same as the music. The the agents were totally on board, and and most of them have you know confirmed for next year. Just, you know, there's a few bits of tweaking here and there, but you know, you're always going to get that because you don't know what's going to happen in twelve months either. Well, um, this is it. Yeah. You know, and a lot of comedians, you know, tied dish it into their Edinburgh run, and they didn't know when you know the Edinburgh dates were going to be, and Edinburgh Fringe was in kind of jeopardy anyway. So. Yeah, it's it's looking good for next year. Because I guess everyone, all all the artists are having the same experience as you. You know, everyone's well as everyone really. I suppose their their whole year is effectively being one of limbo, and it's like, well, yeah. we're just we're kind of just gonna forget this. Year. You know, I mean, you hear about people cancelling their holidays, their you know, all the things that they were gonna do this summer. It's just not gonna happen. So it's like we're doing all next year. So it's I suppose it does make sense. And now there's a queue of artists. Because, of course, it's all in touring. You know, it's like, we'll, we'll make the album, then we'll tour it next year. Well, because everybody's rebooked everyone from this year. So there's, there's now a queue of like, so for bands, if we were to start again, we'd probably be, have, have a pick, the pick of them, really. But that, I think that's the same for the, the lit and the spoken word, isn't it? Because all the authors, they were booked for this year and they, they had their books and they were going to promote them. And then mm. we've had this like stagnation for three or four months. And so now they're going to be on for next year. And then what about all those authors who had books ready for kind of January 2021? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be it's it's whether we've a bit had of a, a fight on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> have we had a, an explosion of creativity? That's the other thing, you know, whilst people have been sat about. We've had a summer of politics as well, haven't that's we? That's true, yeah. See the other thing, there's been all yeah. sort all sorts going on. I was thinking today about the whole culture war thing and how actually the way people are just lining up, aren't they, on, on different sides of it. And we all know who's on each side, but ultimately festivals are on, you know, let's say the left leaning side of the uh, the war, as it were. And how you start feeling like a, a bit of a target. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like the sort of stuff you put on, because everything that Deershed puts on is Black Lives Matter and it is all, you know, the gender balance is important and the, yeah. So anyway, that's just a passing but, thought I was having. Yeah, but I think also <laughs> now that lineups will be scrutinised more for their diversity. You know, I think Dish has always done really well with it, uh, the gender balance. I mean, other festivals mm. don't do very well, um, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's that's something that's going to be taken forward into lineups for the future. So it's mm. been really important with what's been coming out right now as well as you know, through maybe because of COVID, but maybe not. Yeah. 
you mentioned it as somewhere of politics. I mean, does it does that all the developments in the wider field, you know, out of the, the country, the world, really? Does it kind of bring what you do as a festival into more focus because you do address those things, you know, the, the cultural, you know, war and the diversity and the gender balance and all those things that have been addressed by Deershed, but suddenly they're much more. There's a lot more focus on that this year, this summer than there ever has been. You know, Black Lives Matter is front page news virtually every day. It's on Match of the Day. <laughs> you know, with presenters wearing Black Lives Matter mark. You couldn't, you couldn't imagine that happening three or four months ago. Feels like the world has changed a little bit during this lockdown. I think it undoubtedly has. I mean, one issue we have, if if you think kind of how Deershed started with the wedding present, sort of very much stamped its indie credentials. And I guess one issue we have historically is that there aren't many fame indie bands. It's just mm. a sort of matter of fact, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's our kind of music preference, I suppose. So we have to we have to work quite hard at the racial aspects of who we have. I think that's the same for the comedy lineup as well, though. Yeah. I think, well, festivals are a ground to push the boundaries, I think, mm. and, and challenge the audience. Mm. When you create a lineup or, you know, a, the program, you're always mm. trying to bring something new or, or and challenge that audience to think in a different way because mm. that's the reason they're kind of there to enjoy the weekend but maybe see something different or mm. think maybe differently. That's a, you know, it's a real positive of festivals and reason that festivals need to keep going. Um, I think also, you know, the comedy lineup with, you know, we always try and push for the gender balance, but diversity is something that we really need to work on. And, you know, like I said before, I do think that, you know, festivals will be scrutinized for their diversity lineup and they have to try better. But I think there has to be more opportunities for BMA um, artists as well. And and they need to be supported. I, I suppose in the time that Deershed has been going the the context of it has really changed in terms of, for example, the music. You know, you mentioned indie, and I suppose when you look back to Deershed One and Two, that you know we were still very much in the era of the indie guitar band. Less so ten years on. You know, there's a lot more grime, a lot more hip hop, a lot more diversity of music, really. You know, and and the traditional four piece bunch of blokes with guitars. It's sort of it's kind of not on the wane, but there's probably less than there were ten years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, and it, it does take, I, I guess occasionally a band will come on and they will reinvent that format, mm. won't they? I'm trying to think. Fontaine's so, Deece. Well, I was about to say Fontaine's, yeah, <laughs> um, who sadly were due to play last year, but um, had to cancel at the last minute. Yeah, but the other th the other interesting thing about having kids who are getting a bit older is that my youngest, she is just all over pop. Uh, we can't afford any of the really high quality stuff, but whenever I have to test the uh, main stage PA, apart from... Um, killing in the name of which is my favorite one which we have to obviously turn off halfway through um you know those kind of those kind of artists katie perry as well her better hits they're just ace and i find that really exciting but i find it exciting because of my kids because i've been introduced to it and yeah. i'd love to do there's a band called confidence man who we could probably afford right who were i think they're australian they're similar really party and really mm. and i think our audience would appreciate that as well and and you get a little bit more diversity in that newer genre of music i think so does it get harder to do it every year i mean you, one thing that's re remarkable about deershed is the amount of festivals and the sort of without mentioning any names but in the in the region that have kind of fallen by the wayside over the years you're still there and they're not what's been the secret yeah what's been the secret and, and, and has that been a hard thing to kind of continually keep the identity of deershed but gradually reinvent it every year at the same time with a different theme for example slightly different array of talent you know slightly different shifting 
but it's identifiably Dersha. Does that get harder? I think it gets harder as you get older. And I, and I think, you know, Megan is oh, however much younger than me. And, and you, need, you, younger. you do need... Um, <laughs> You do need that enthusiasm and energy and it does sort of keep you um, alive, most certainly. But it, there isn't actually a, a career plan for festival directors. And the only person we can look to is sort of Michael Evis, really, yeah. who yeah. seems incredibly sprightly at the age of 84. Or whatever. <laughs> you know, he's still, when you hear him interviewed, he's still really, really up for it. And it just seems built into him. It, it must have sort of kept him young. There was this. There was an explosion of festivals maybe fifteen years ago when, mm. say, End of the Road or Green Man started. Mm. They've got five years head start on us. And what do you do? I mean, is that there's no career path? Is there? Is no, you know? Do you just? It seems weird to just stop something that's been going that long just because mm. you've sort of had enough. I mean, most festivals I think stop because of the, they're in financial trouble. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe they get bought, or maybe they just reinvent yeah. themselves. But it, it it's almost. Is it like a curse? I don't know. You have to keep going. <laughs> you can't um, stop. You can't. <laughs> it does seem quite addictive if Michael Levis is the example. You know, he's not been able to, to let go. And and also it gets bigger and bigger. I mean, you know, which Deershed has done. I mean, did you foresee that from the beginning or has that been the surprise that it's grown? I, I like think it has? when we were talking about, you know, the Deershed, when we were stood, I remember standing there sort of year one and I, and I had an idea what year 10 might physically look like. Because I think that in the first year we maybe used like a quarter of the, the space in Baldersby Park, and then we, we, you know we, we've moved from there twice, and we've used the kind of natural amphitheatre of the land to the point now where the main stage is sort of where the main stage was always meant to be. But I don't think we had much of a plan, and and this is what I felt after last the last festival that we did. We we felt a little bit lost. I don't know if I can speak for, speak for Megan as well. I think probably <laughs> yes. I think we'd kind of like got it, it was physically the size that it was, and we'd had you know a great a great lineup. But it's like well, there's there's ten years, and and to think about what the next ten years might bring. By which point I'll be sixty, still twenty four years behind where Michael Evis is now. <laughs> um, you, you'll be just getting going. <laughs> no, I think you'd have to delegate. I don't want to be banging fence posts in. After the last festival, which was wet as well, so that's never great for 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 mm. the organisers or or the the attendees really. That you've had to you've had to struggle through it. I mean, it was still a great festival, but mm. you don't look back on it like you do the. the you know, I, again, I spent most of my time in the car park. You know, pushing camper vans out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think also because of that um, being not afraid to move and expand mm. and almost like reinventing is something that some other festivals I think are slightly scared to do. Mm. And, you know, also, you know, you go to a lot of festivals just to see what they're doing. And, and when you've been to a festival for three or four times and it's the same space and it's the same arena, mm. you just get a bit. I mean, it's the, the program's different, but it's a bit boring. Mm. You know, there's nothing else to explore and find mm. out. Whereas I think. Deershed is not afraid to do that. And, you know, the audience, yeah, they get, it's a bit nerve wracking the first time when you have done that big change, but they, they get used to it and they, and they love you for it eventually, I think. <laughs> when they found the, the way back from the toilets after yeah. five hours, you know, like, hang on, I'm, sh I'm sure the stage used to be here. I'm in the middle of a forest. The toilet signs aren't high enough. <laughs> yeah. We like to challenge people really. And we like to push that as far as we can. We wouldn't have, I think the limit was Sleaford Mods, but I don't think we could have Sleaford Mods. Mm. Just because a bit of swearing, I think it's all right. But that that level of, of swearing, albeit <laughs> I, I love them and I think, but I wouldn't, I think 
Yeah, that would be a bit too far. But probably yeah. a bit much when you're six, isn't it? A sleep and yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. It would definitely be an eye opener, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> but I think John say the John yeah, we had John Grant uh, mm. play. I remember him late he dropped an F bomb. Very, very almost the first thing he said when he came on, which I thought was quite good because it just it made it clear to to the audience, right, this is this is what this gig is gonna be. Yeah. And again, it depends on your parenting, it depends on your household swearing policy. As, as to whether you feel comfortable with that. Plus, he was quite late on, was it? It was a headliner, so he would yeah. have gone on quite, you know, it was quite, I remember having to drag our little boy off to bed in the middle of John Grant, actually. And so <laughs> I don't know what time it was, but I, rem- I do remember having to, you know, say, you've got to go home now. And he did not want this, you know. And, and, mm. and, and also this, you know, this fantastic, like ginormous sort of electro beats that, that John Grant had. It was a very different sound. It was clearly like evening music, you know, as opposed to Saturday afternoon music. And, we, you know, so anything like that with the F-bomb or whatever would be, you kind of know the drill. If you're going to go to something at 10 o'clock, you know it's going to be different to something at, at 1.30. And we never say, I think in the programme we say, and this is our old kind of music industry background, we do say that we would never ask an artist to tone down anything for their performance. I mean, it's just done, you wouldn't, would you? The only people we do that with is the comedians. But that's still, some, sometimes that still doesn't get through to them. <laughs> On occasions, <laughs> two occasions in the last 10 years, which isn't too bad. Does it get harder to come up with a theme every year? Because obviously every year Deer Shed has a different theme. This year I think it was Incognito, which... I don't know if that's a bit kind of uh, ironic, given the the way you know we're, we're all kind of incognito now. We're living incognito lives, but uh, probably not in the way that was expected. And there's all there's all sorts theme. of connotations with with incognito in terms of fake news as well. as another mm-hmm. thing people people not appearing who you know being who they appear. But that's kind of that's my usually my job, and and it usually the theme for the year after normally comes to me where we're tidying up the, the one before really. But the theming is in, important, and it's. I think. I think perhaps Deershed does more with the theme than most in terms of. I mean, for for a lot of festivals, it's just an excuse to have a different poster. Yeah. You know, and actually, the weird thing about the theme is it does go back to that I am Clute year when we felt that, or I felt that Clute were not a typical let's have a dance party band for a mm-hmm. Saturday night, and I thought, oh my god, what are we going to do? To what can we do to support this performance? So that whole that year was Sky at Night, you know, it was named after their their album, and and then that's kind of how that that's how that started, and in in the end we needn't have worried really because the sky is cleared and it was quite a, quite a beautiful um, show. Yeah, I mean it was it was like you'd hired in the backdrop specifically, you know, the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, which I presume was beyond the budget of Deer Shed in, uh, <laughs> and, in and Patrick days. Patrick Moore did this. Um, um, we're reminiscing, aren't we now, rather than looking forward? But, <laughs> but it, Patrick Moore did a, an introduction to that to the gig because they were all very pally. Um, Peter Jobson, who was the bass player from Clue, he, I don't, he just knew somebody who was, and so it starts off with this quite, well, this amazing speech, which is actually on one of the videos from Patrick Moore. You've, you've responded this year, rather than just have nothing on, you know, and just forget about Dear Shed entirely. You, you, you're bringing in Base Camp. What, tell, tell me how that idea came about and what's going to happen at Base Camp. It's in response to what can we do, really? What can we, we can't do Dear Shed. And we've got this big hole in the finances. You know, what, what, what can we do? And so Base Camp is about the only thing we can do, actually, is, which is socially distance camping. Baldersby Park divided up into 15 meter by 15 meter squares and each one of those having a portaloo. And so there's going to be about 330 
lose and i'm really looking forward to taking a picture of them all before mm. anyone's there <laughs> i'm hoping it's guardian worthy in terms of their uh, <laughs> their, their photo people anyway so that so that's what it is it, it's 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 we've had to say to people it's not a festival it's not a festival you know we can't have stages we can't we can't i, I don't think under the current guidance although else seems to have gone out the window doesn't it we can't have we can't encourage um, communal anything so we're doing a, a radio station which I'm hoping Ofcom will send the license through really, really soon. But that's that's the idea. It's like, well, people, you know, bring bring your radio, and we will try and get a sense of community and togetherness as best we can. And I think that we've got a good response from everybody who's going to be on that radio station as well. Um, in terms of um, they seem to be rising to it, and they want to get out of the house as well. We were you do. worried that people might not go for that? That they might just think, no, it's, if it's not the festival, we're not going. Were you worried about that? I think we probably thought there was some pent up, yeah, we want to get out. And the thing about festivals is quite often the best, your best memories of a festival are in the campsite. Anyway, I remember going to Kendall Calling and not seeing anything, just drinking whiskey <laughs> in the campsite. And that was all you, that's what you did. And you missed, but that's part of it. It's isn't part it? of a festival. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is part of a festival yeah, experience. And, and base know. camp, you can you can still like Deer Shed, you can still try and book next to your friends if you're if you're organized enough. And you can bring your dog too. Yeah. I mean, that's a dream, isn't it? You could can you normally bring a dog Not to a deer? I don't think you can, yeah. For base camp, say, I don't think that's an, that's it. This is a new development. Have they got a separate kind of, I don't know, canine lose or it's um we've we've asked people to invest in those like screwing stake things and we've said we've got an exercise field yeah i I, people have got dogs haven't they everyone and i think after lockdown like everyone's got a dog friend of mine is is a dog breeder and it's just he's he's making money hand over fist selling (laughs) chocolate labradors um yeah I, i think if well it was megan's idea actually it was like dogs you sure you sure you want to ban dogs everyone's got one and where are you going to put your dog, you know, in COVID, yeah. you know, yeah. when it, and, you know, so, um, bring him with you. And when you go camping, you always bring your dog yeah. with you, don't you? So, yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. We have limited it to one, although we did get a picture of two very, very sweet <laughs> little dogs. <laughs> and my daughter in a, said, oh, Dan, look, you know, can we say yes to these two? So uh, we would have to in- impose some kind of the total weight of dogs that you can bring. <laughs> To deer shed in order to get around that. But. So if you've got very, very tiny dogs, you could technically bring 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> as long as they're like about a kilo each or a, a, a gram each. You know, we have had to adjust our staffing. So, so we're, we are, me and Kate and Megan, we're all sort of just loads busier and we're sort of reconnecting. I'm having to speak to food vendors, which I delegated away, you know, about mm. seven or eight years ago. So that's nice, actually. And it's, it does feel like a reconnecting with, and it's reconnecting with audience as well. So Basecamp is of a, of a, of a size where you can phone up the people who are coming and say, you know, because there's all these, um, you know, we have, we have to get everybody's details for the tracing thing. So, yeah, there's a, bit, there's, a, there's a bit of that, but there's actually speaking to people who've been for years and years and years, and that's really nice. Yeah. So we're getting a bit back to basics, I guess. Do you think the festival will look very different? I mean, you know, we've, you said about the track and trace thing. Do you think when festivals resume, are they going to be very different places? Is there going to be social distancing on stage, off stage, or or is it a case of, well, hopefully all this will be over by next year and then we can just do things kind of like we did? Or will it, will, it, will things never be quite the same again? The, the industry's had to write them, actually. The, the AAF has, has been talking to DCMS about what is and what isn't 
possible. And certainly when it was two metres distance and nobody, everyone was up in arms, especially anyone, anyone who was doing a London show in a park where clearly, you know, you cannot change the infrastructure or the other parks put together. One metre for Deer Shed, I think, I think we could make that work, really. It's the other, again, you kind of worry about how, you know, how expensive is it going to be to do all the things you kind of have to do. We're just going to have to see. I think I think festivals will happen next year, or they will, or that'll be the end of it, won't it? Um, but it'd be interesting to see kind of how the base camp thing, whether people like, well, people are going to love their own toilet, aren't they? I mean, that's the worst thing about that yeah, you worry gonna, about. They're going to want it for the real festival, though, aren't yes. they? Then? They're all they good, yeah, they're everyone's going to want their own toilet yeah. and, and and their own dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> have you have you got the theme for next year's festival? Is that already? Yeah, so we're carrying on the incognito thing, which okay. is kind of the kind of going back to feeling a bit lost um, after last year's as to what will a music festival be in the future and what can it be and what you know what can we do to to just keep everybody, not least ourselves, excited about it. Because obviously everything refreshes every year. There's new band, there's always new bands, and there's always new comedy, and the whole lineup changes. But I I just felt that after ten years. To keep doing that without bringing in new things be a shame. And I, I, Megan was meant to go actually. That thing in Hackney that I went to, which was a, a all you can learn in a weekend about immersive theatre, which is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly exciting. And I, I actually would say, almost one of the most exciting weekends of my life. Wow! Dave. <laughs> it's certainly professional. Certainly professionally, um, it's just another world. Just another. Um, sort of world opened up and there's 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 festivals that embrace it boomtown would be the one that where the whole thing is you know there's a narrative which runs through the whole thing which is kind of quite an obvious use of the immersive theater thing but off the back of that i've kind of got quite excited about developing a game for incognito which is going to be a game that everyone can play and it's it's quite an abstract idea really but if you imagine that you come to a festival site and we basically control that whole environment. Everybody's used to, I think, the, the, the idea of, like, say, secret cinema, where you go and you go and, um, or Stranger Things, isn't it, that Meg went to. You have to spend a lot of money to recreate that set. Well, actually, if, if you think that a festival site is almost like a, a big stage that you, you control and you, you say who's who, you know, that food vendor might be a load of actors. You know, probably be now absolutely <laughs> gagging to for any sort of employment at all. So there's, it's playing. It's playing with that idea really as to as to who who is who and what is what. And the, the tagline for for the for the incognito incarnation is you you pitch your tent at a music festival, but your neighbours in the in the campsite are not who they appear to be, and which immediately sort of sets off alarm bells, doesn't it? Safeguarding, not, not least. Um, so so we're kind of working on a. A game so we're developing a game which will which will be all encompassing and and actually will probably start online before it manifests itself in the field it's very abstract isn't it i've not yeah, explained sounds, i've not exactly, explained it, it sounds very well. very, very exciting <laughs> it's a new yeah, but it's a new it's a, a new element of deer again isn't it it's always like we were going back you know you move the site around or you push the program yeah. And then, and all the audience are going to experience something well, yeah. or who knows what they're going to experience. That's the exciting thing. The site itself stays, you know, where it always has been. You know, there's been things have moved around within the site and it's expanded, but it's always been in the, you know, it's in the heart of North Yorkshire, really. So it's, you know, it's, it's the only festival 
remotely of its kind in this part of the world. Is that very important to Deershed and to where it is that it's got that kind of northern identity? I mean, I think so. I mean, it's really important that we're championing northern artists. And, you know, there are some amazing music venues in the north as well. And, mm. you know, and some some of the artists that come out of the north are, you know, are brilliant. And it's great that we can bring them to Deershed. Mm. I think that's the same with kind of the lineup for the big top. I always try and book as many communities as I can from the north as possible. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't music wise. Yeah, there's a mixture in there. It's, I think it's important not to do anything in the shadow of the South. Do you know what I mean? Let's not be a kind of second rate latitude or whatever. Mm. Let's, you know, let's do something that is the crown jewels of the festival world, if we can. And, and the fact that it's up north, where I think people's perception is nothing good happens, which is <laughs> grim up north. Of, yeah, which is not <laughs> true at all. Yeah. Um, well, we say that we say it's grim up north to keep them all out. You know? Yeah, and they're it's all coming don't back. Let them on the, don't let them in on the secret. They're all coming back. I've three or four people who professionally connected with ticketing companies or whatever. They're all coming back from London because they can because they yeah. now you know, they've closed all the offices. And, <laughs> so we're quite we're quite hopeful about that actually. That maybe you know everyone's like let's come to Channel Four in Leeds or whatever. Or yeah, um, we yeah. don't have to work in London anymore because yeah. we're all working from home anyway. That's it. But I think culture, I feel an incredible, well, not incredible, but I do feel a sense of duty almost to do something good in the North. If you both could look forward 10 years to Deershed 2030 or 2031, what, what would you imagine it to be like? Or what would you like it to be like? Gosh. Still there. <laughs> Still there, yeah. And I, and I think the, 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 the thing for, for, for us all is that actually – it's, it's, does it need to be bigger to be better? This is the this is a question which keeps coming around. Do, do more people need to come? You know, I think over the years we've decided that more people definitely doesn't make us more money. We've had that conversation before in terms of what is big, what is a big festival. You know, does it matter how many stages you have or what the capacity of the event is? Is it actually just about what the, the ethos is and how and you can that can channel and be as big as you want it to be, can't it? Yeah. I think you're right, Meg. Still, still be going. <laughs> still, still that's be a positive, running. optimistic thing, isn't it? I think that's a good definitely, <laughs> definitely. Here's yeah. to but twenty yeah. thirty. Yeah, shed. But there are there are uncertainties, aren't there? Like anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, that's great. Just... They should have <laughs> just left <laughs> it there. Chop it. Chop. And that's it for a fallow deer, the Deer Shed Festival story. Thank you to everyone who has been part of this special series. Much like Deer Shed, it wouldn't be what it is without the people, so thank you. And thanks for coming on this special journey with us. If you've enjoyed it, we'd love to hear from you, so please leave a rating and a review. It will also help fellow festival veterans find us too. We're hoping to bring you more content over the coming months, so do subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a thing. I guess it's Tara for now, and I hope to see you at Deershed Festival next year. Mm -hmm.